Today, church, we're going to be wrapping up the sermon series that we've been doing the whole month of May entitled, God is blank. And we've been filling in that blank every single week of what it is that he means to us. And today, we're going to be looking and talking about God is trustworthy. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says this, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. Church, this morning as we're talking about uh, trusting him and being trustworthy, I want to ask you a question, church. What is it that keeps you up at night? Seriously, I want you to think about that for a minute. What is it that keeps you personally up at night? You know, you, you, you won't let your mind shut off. You lay there, you're exhausted, you're tired, but yet you're laying in bed and your mind just keeps going and going and going. I remember as a kid camping. I love to go camping with my, my brothers and my buddies, and, and we would go into the woods. We sometimes build a cabin to sleep in, and sometimes we take a tent, and I was that guy. I always wanted to sleep clear in the back of the tent. You know, there'd be three or four of us in this tent because in my mind, I had this thought process. If somebody's getting in the tent, whether it be a bear or somebody else, that they're going to get the first person at the door first. And that gives me two people for me to slice open the back of that tent, get out of there. I would lay there at night. You know, the fire would go down. Finally, it would be pitch black dark. And I'd start thinking like, "Uh uh-oh, what if something happens? I believe we all had things like that when we were a kid. But you know what, church? Wouldn't it be awesome if the things that worried us as kids be all that worry us today? Think about it, man. There's political unrest in this world today. There's, you, you know, there, there's just maybe your parents aging. Maybe you've got sickness in your family. Maybe it's your next doctor appointment. Maybe for you younger ones, it's college debt that you're struggling with and think about. Maybe you feel like you'll never get it all done. Everything that you have to get done, you're never going to get all done. Or, or what am I going to forget? And who's it going to affect in my life? We struggle with these things. So I ask you again, church, what is it that you are worried about? Think about what is it for you? What is it you worry about? You know, we worry, what we worry about most often reveals, most often reveals where we trust God the least. I want you to pull that in this morning. What we worry about the most, church, what you're constantly obsessing and worry about, it reveals where we trust God the least. See, we worry, don't we? We are worrying kind of people, and what we worry about most reveals where you trust God the least. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 6, if you'll look at this with me. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 26, it says this to us. It says this. It says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Church, can you add a single hour to your life? Man, the way some of us worry, you know, you should literally be like 150 years old if that isn't true. But for believers in Christ... I want you to get this today. For believers in Christ, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its strength. Hear me out. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its strength. It empties today of its strength. It empties your today of strength. You know, to live without worry 
you have to answer one of the most foundational questions humanity has ever had to answer. Actually, it was the first question that had to be answered in Genesis chapter 2, right? You know the story. God created Adam in Genesis chapter 2. And he said, you know, you eat from any tree in the garden that you want to except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He didn't want you touching that one. And then he created the animals, right? Then he creates Eve. And then in Genesis chapter 3, a brand new character shows up, the serpent. And he begins to talk to Eve. So if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 6. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Church, the serpent twisted the truth. He took God's word, he took the truth and what he did is he twisted it. And the serpent introduced that question to Eve, right? He said, did God really say? Did God really say? Can you trust God, Eve? That's what the serpent did. Can you trust God? Is God really trustworthy? And then a few verses later, right? It, it talks about she looked at the tree. She saw it was good to eat. It was pleasing to the eye. And it was desirable for gaining wisdom. And see, Eve made a choice. She had a choice to make. It's like choices that, that we make, right? This blew my mind. I found this fact out this past week that on average, every single person on average makes 35,000 decisions a day. I'm not talking about life-changing decisions. You know, hey, do I get up when my alarm goes off? Do I not? You know, do I brush my teeth today? Am I going to bless my coworkers at work by brushing my teeth today? Because I'm going to be talking to them, right? It's decisions like that. All day long, you're making decisions. And they say you make 35,000 decisions a day. And it comes down to this. Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust what I see? Listen to, am I going to trust God or am I going to trust what I see? Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust only what I can touch? Am I going to trust God or am I only going to trust what I desire? Am I going to trust God or am I only going to trust what I can control? Boy, there's one for some of us. Every single one of us, though, has to answer this question. And the question is this, is God trustworthy? Psalm chapter 62, if you'll look at this with me, verses 7 and 8, and the psalmist said this. He said, my salvation and honor depend on God. He is my rock and my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. So this guy right here, he's talking about, he's telling us that God is trustworthy. He's saying that our God is trustworthy. And he goes even deeper. He says that our salvation and our honor depends on him. Your salvation, your honor depends on him. Your salvation, church, it doesn't depend on the pastor. It doesn't depend on the Sunday school teacher or your grandma or your mom or your dad. No, your salvation depends on him. Your salvation depends on God. And then it goes on to say he is the mighty rock, and our refuge. 
And church, it tells us that we have to trust in him at all times. Man, that's hard, isn't it? It's really difficult to trust in him at all times. The Bible says we are called to pour out our hearts to him, that you pour out your worries, that you pour out your fears, that that you pour out all these things to him. And why? Why do we do that? Because God is our refuge. He's the one that you go to for safety, for, for, for to be calmed, right? The psalmist understands the truth, and the truth is this, that God is trustworthy. It's not what he does, church. It's who he is. He is trustworthy. So today what I want to do is I want to give you three reasons on how we can know that God is trustworthy. Three reasons on how you and I can know that our God is trustworthy. And the very first one is this. God has been faithful before. Think about it. God's been faithful before for our lives as individuals today, right? Think about how many times God has been faithful to you. He's been very faithful to you. There's a theme in the Old Testament, and if you really pay close attention to it, you know it comes up in Genesis, comes up in Exodus, Deuteronomy, comes up in Psalms, it comes up in the Minor Prophets, all these things, and the theme is repeated time and time and time again, and the theme is this, it's remember. Remember. That we remember. Church, we forget a lot of things, don't we? You ever go through a really rough time in your life and you're, I mean, you're calling out, you're pleading with God like, Lord, please help me. Please get me through this, right? And God does. Sometimes it's in his way, not the way that you want it, right? We always want it our way with God, don't we? We think like, God, I'm saying it, Lord. This is the way I want it, so you gotta do it that way. That's not how it works. This ain't Burger King. It's not your way every day, okay? When it comes down to this, it's God takes care of things, And you celebrate, you rejoice. Lord, thank you so much for answering my prayer and taking care of things. But how many of you, within one week, you forget? You forget what he has done for you. You forget what he's done in your life. Some of you, like me, you sometimes forget the very next day, don't you? The theme in the Old Testament is remember. Moses said this to his people, the people of God, as they are about to be delivered from the Egyptians in Exodus chapter 13. If you'll check this out with me, please. Exodus 13, and it says this in verse 3. It says that Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day that you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. He's telling them, that God's been faithful before. He's telling them that. He he said, remember when you cried out, you were in slavery, and you were crying out to God for mercy, and guess what? God heard your cries. That's what Moses is telling them. He heard you, and he delivered you from that. He's telling you. He's saying this. He's telling them, remember, God has delivered you. You Israelites, he's delivered you from the most powerful man on earth, the Pharaoh. He's saying, remember the fact that as you was fleeing Pharaoh's army, that you were not stopped by the water? When you got there, when you got to the Red Sea, God parted it, and you walked on dry ground. He said, God made a way. He said, remember when you were in the wilderness? Remember when you were thirsty? God provided water. Remember when you were in the wilderness, and you were hungry? God provided manna. And he said, remember that God had been faithful before. He's saying, remember when you were in that wilderness, and God led you by a cloud by day and by fire at night. He brought you out. 
God has been faithful before. He's telling the Israelites, he's saying, you remember, God is trustworthy. You, you can trust him because he's done it before and he can do it again. And see, the Israelites' church, they had this practice or ritual. I'm not sure what you want to call it. See, when God would do something significant, when God would do something absolutely amazing, they would pile up stones, right? They'd pile up stones, and, and they build this memorial. I'm starting to see it. You know, if you ever go hiking or doing things like that, I'm starting to see them everywhere, right? They're called Ebenezer's, and it means something happened right here. You see just a straight-up stack of stones, and it meant something significant. You know, when Jacob wrestled with a heavenly figure on the riverbank, they built a memorial. You know, when, when Moses, when he went and got the Ten Commandments, man, they piled up stones. They built a memorial. And, and do you know why they did this church? Do you know why they built these piles of stones? And so when they would walk by, that they would remember, you know what? Something happened here. God did something amazing. He really was working it that day. So the piles of stones were to remind them of God's faithfulness. So I ask you this morning, church, what are the piles of stones in your life? What are the piles of stones in your life that remind you of God's faithfulness? Maybe it's, maybe it's how he radically transformed your life the day that you got saved. I mean, he did some work. You know, your, your parents are going like, whoa, he really did some work. Maybe it's when you were a child and you got baptized, right? Parents been praying a long time for that one. You know, it can be even as simple as you go to the grocery store and you barely have any money and your bill comes to exactly the amount of money that you have with you. Church, it's God's faithfulness that he took care of you. It's how he supplied. So how do we know that God is trustworthy? The first thing is this. He has been faithful before. And the second way you can know that God is trustworthy is this. God is faithful today. He's faithful today. God led the, led the Israelite people right to the doorstep. I mean, right to the steps, the edge of the promised land. He led them right there. The place that they wanted to be, right? They wanted to be there. And Joshua, one of the leaders, he stands up before his people. And he says something to them in Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. He says this, only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them, he said. He's telling them, don't be afraid. God is with us. See, Joshua understood something. He got it. He understood that our success is not dependent on what we face. Sometimes we look at that wrong, don't we, church? We look at things, you're like, oh, that's too hard. I ain't even going to try that. Can't tell you how many people I, I talk to, the Lord is just pounding on their door, and they're like, I'm like, man, God is really talking to you. It's time for you to come to know his son Jesus personally. And they're like, oh, that's a lot of work. I, you, you want me to give up that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. That's too big. I can't do those things. Joshua understood that our success is not dependent on what we see. Our success is not dependent on the size of the oppo opposition. Our success, church, is dependent on the presence of God in our lives. That's what your success as a believer in Jesus Christ is dependent on the size of your faith. 
and practicing God's presence. Do you realize you have to practice his presence? Because, man, we're a mess, aren't we? God's right with you all the time, and all of a sudden, like, where are you at, God? Well, he's right there. He, he's right there beside you, but we don't practice his presence in recognizing that he's there. And here's the good news. Here's the good news on Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. For those of you who maybe were absent a little bit close to Christmas, or maybe you even fell asleep, I'm going to repeat to you what I told you in December. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means what church? God with us. It means God with us. And then it goes on to tell us in Matthew Chapter 28, verse 20, clear at the end there. It says this in verse 20, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Remember, Jesus is saying this, everything I've commanded you, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. Imagine the disciples, they hung out with him for three years, and all of a sudden Jesus says, I'm leaving, I'm going up. And they're going like, he's gone. He's gone. And so he was reassuring them. He said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Church, it isn't every single time that we get into a bad situation that God pulls us out, right? He doesn't always pull us out of those bad situations. Do you realize most of the situations that happen in our life are really bad ones? Most of them, we put ourselves there. We really do. I'm not trying to be heartless, so please don't say the preacher has no compassion. I got all kinds of compassion. But it's true. We put ourselves in a lot of these situations. But every single time, church, he might not pull you out every single time. But here's the cool part is he enters the situation with us. Amen. He's right in it with you. You have to recognize the fact that he's there. See, in every single situation, he enters with us. And church, he is faithful. He is, he is faithful before, and he's faithful today. And God's faithfulness, his faithfulness doesn't depend on the absence of problems. This is where a lot of baby Christians, they get really disheartened. You know, I gave my life to Christ, and, and now all these things are happening, right? God's faithfulness is not dependent on the absence of problems, but it is on the presence of God in your life. That's what it boils down to. You know, remember when you were a little kid, your parents would put you to bed. Some of you guys, this was a nightly ritual, all right? Your parents put you to bed. 38 seconds later, you're like, I'm thirsty. You come out in the living room, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm thirsty, right? So you get you that drink of water, and I'll get back to bed, right? 35 seconds later, you come back out in the living room. I can't sleep. I'm not tired. They say, go back to your room. But see, here's what, how it worked out. You would come back in again. You're like, I can't sleep because I hear noises. And here's what you would do as a little kid. And guess what your kids are doing? It's generational. It continues to happen. You hoped that you would wear your parents down. That you would wear them down. And that they would say, do you want me to come in your room and lay down with you? Right? And so your parents, they would come in your room. They would tuck you in real good. They would lay on top of the covers if you're a smart parent, right? Easy getaway. As soon as their eyes go, you can get out. You don't have to rumple the covers to get out of there. But nothing changed in your situation. 
Nothing changed. You still were thirsty. You still couldn't sleep. You were still worrying about those things. But everything had changed because someone who was trustworthy, someone that you loved, was laying right beside you. That's what changed. So how do we know that God is trustworthy? Because he's with us, church. He's right beside you. We know that God is trustworthy because he is faithful before. We know that God is trustworthy because he is faithful today. And we know that God is trustworthy, point number three, because he will be faithful tomorrow. God will be faithful tomorrow. God was faithful to the Israelites. But did they trust him? Honestly, if you know anything about biblical history, right? If you know anything about the, New, the Old Testament, no, they didn't trust him. They didn't trust him. I remember sitting in Sunday school, right? I had good Sunday school teachers, Joanne Van Dyke, I had Pearl Duck. I remember sitting in Sunday school as a little kid, and I wasn't real smart, I'm being honest with you. And I remember them telling you the stories about the Israelites, and I'm going, those people are dumb. God did all these wild things in front of them. I mean, we're talking the plagues. I mean, we're talking about parting the Red Sea. He did all these amazing things, and they still didn't trust him. Because trust isn't something we have, church. It's a verb, isn't it? Trust, it's a verb. It's something that shows action. It's something we do. And see, the Israelites, they didn't just step into the promised land. That's what blows me away. God promised it to them. And they played games. You realize the end of the story was already written. As soon as God promised it, <laughs> it's there. It's going to happen. And in Genesis 12, in Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham and he said, you know what, Abram, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to the world. I'm going to give you this land and you will be my people. That's what he told him. And right before the spies were sent out, right, the story progresses right at the promised land. Here's what God says to them in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it says this, The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send out one leader from each of the 12 tribes. And so the end of the story was already written. Listen, this is the promised land. They call it the promised land because God promised he was going to give it. And when God makes a promise, you better believe it's going to happen. It's going to happen. All you got to do is step in it. All you got to do is live it. You know, he told him, he said, everywhere you step is going to be yours, right? I would have been running all over that field. Mine, 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 right? But see, they didn't do that. And I feel so much better about myself when I think about the Israelites and their story. I'm not saying I should be proud of that. Because you think about how dumb must these guys be right how dumb must they be he was faithful before he was faithful in their future and yet they still didn't trust him the end of the story church was already written and so man what a bunch of dumb puppies they were he showed them time and time again here's what i'm gonna do but you know what as i sit there and think about how dumb they are i do the same exact thing you do the same exact thing God shows you his faithfulness. Man, I can see the faithfulness that God had towards me 
in my past. He has been so, he, God was faithful to me even when I wasn't faithful to him. And I know that he's faithful today. He's right here with me today. Church, he's right here with you today. And you know what? And God's already written the end of my story. Do you realize God has already written the end of your story? And church, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he has written the end of your story, and it's going to be good. Here's what's wild. Listen to me for a minute. Here's what's cool. You are on the winning team. You win. You win. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are on the winning team, right? And so why do we fuss and worry and stress knowing that we are going to win? Man, anybody that's ever played sports, could you imagine if the coach just said, hey, psh, you're going to win today, guaranteed. You wouldn't worry about it, right? You, 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 would, you would get out on base, playing baseball, right there, man, hit a ball, someone caught, boom, I'm out. I don't care, we're going to win. Isn't that what you would do? So why can't we understand as believers in Jesus Christ that we are going to win? Why are we stressing? Why are we worrying? Because as a follower of Christ, he has already written the end of your story. Man, in Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 5, it says this, And I heard a loud voice. From, it didn't say a soft voice, church. Listen, it says a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Church, that's powerful. If you are a follower of Christ, the end of your story has been written. You have nothing to worry about. Some of you, you're sitting here today going, that's awesome. Thanks for the reminder. I needed to hear that. Maybe some of you are sitting here and saying, I can see his faithfulness. So I want to ask you one more time, church, what are you worried about? Some of you guys, you're the what if people. You know what I'm talking about? What if this happens, right? You wake up in the morning, what if, and all day long, right? What if this happens? What if this happens? Well, what if this happens? Every time someone comes and brings something to you, well, what if this happens? We can't be those people, church. I want to ask you, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust in him this morning? As I ask the praise team to come up here, I want to share with you a verse in John chapter 14, verse 1, and it, it says this to us, man, I, I really want you to get this this morning. This is Jesus speaking, and he's saying this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Church, you know what it means to be troubled? I mean, it's constant turmoil in your heart. You're stressing, you're worrying, you're fretting. He, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. He said, trust in God. He said, you trust in my Father. You can't go wrong. But then he also says this, he says, trust in me. He is trustworthy, church. Jesus is telling us right there, he's saying, I am trustworthy. He's saying, I've been faithful before. He's saying, I've been faithful today. And guess what? I am going to be faithful tomorrow in your future. So church, what's keeping you up at night? 
where you're at, maybe it's because you don't fully trust him. You really don't. Listen, you could have given your life to Jesus Christ. You could have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. But you know what? You keep taking stuff back. Never once in my life has the garbage man come to my house on a Thursday, taking away all the trash from the Blakely household. We make a lot of it. And I call him on Friday and say, I want some of that back. Never once. But we do the same thing when we say we trust in him and he takes our junk, he takes our garbage, he takes our sin, our shame, our worries, our fears. He takes all that away from us and then you know what you do the next day? You're wanting some of it back. Maybe you haven't fully trusted him. Church, maybe you're trying to control your life. You're saying, God, I... Yeah, I love you, but I don't trust you to to manage stuff, so I'm going to manage it for myself. Maybe you've tried to do it on your own this morning. You're like, God, I love you, and you're awesome. I'll let you down off the shelf. I'll let you out of the box every once in a while. Do some cool stuff for me, but I'm going to handle the rest of this. Church, how do we know that God is trustworthy? I want you to think about this. Take this in. How much trustworthy can you be? Think about this. How much trustworthy can you be to go and die a painful, horrible death on the cross for other people when you were sinless? How much trustworthy can you be that he decided that he would do that? He would die for your sins, not his own. That he gave it all up so that we no longer had to be separated from God. This morning, church, maybe you haven't received his forgiveness. Maybe you haven't received his grace. Maybe this morning you have not received his mercy. I want to tell you, let today be the day. I'm talking about that we, tomorrow, will remember something happened here today. Man, if you even want to build a pile of rocks and say, there's my Ebenezer something happened here something big something to commemorate something to remember all the days that God gives me left on this earth to live so maybe that's you this morning here's what I want to do I want to encourage you again let today be the day that you say I surrender I'm done I'm done trying to control it I'm done trying to earn it I'm done trying to manipulate it Lord I want to give it all to you I want to give you my sin I want to give you my shame I want to give you all the hurts the pains the struggles I'm Lord I even want to give you my worries and you lay it all down at the foot of the cross you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and then the Bible tells this church you follow him in Christian baptism and then he gives you something brand new a brand new life, a brand new hope, and a brand new future. So church, I ask you this, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Let's stand together and let's sing. I want to encourage you to respond this morning.